Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my, it's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others, here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I'm here with my terrific co-host, PK, Patricia Kirkman, and George Lugo. Hey, guys, how are you tonight? Great. Fabulous. Good. Very, very good. We have an exciting show tonight where, guess what, everybody, I'm the guest. And George and PK are going to interview me about an amazing UFO alien abduction that took place right here in Massachusetts. So it's been a long time since I've talked about this case publicly, and it happened to someone I became very close friends with. I have the utmost respect for her. Unfortunately, she passed away last fall. But you're going to hear all the details of this incredible case tonight. So stay tuned for that. But before we get into that, Miss PK, you've been looking at numbers, and what did you find? Well, taking a look at the numbers for this lady, she's quite unique in her own right. She came into this lifetime with an 189 destiny, which meant that she was here to do something for the world at large or things that would enhance people around her. Didn't necessarily mean it was going to be her, but nine means what we do for others. And taking a look at her birth name, the first name, Marianne, looking at that, she always did multiple things. She never did just one thing in this lifetime. She always did more than one. She kept trying to push other things into it because this young lady was a very good manipulator, okay? Mm Mm-hmm. No holds barred. We're just calling it like we see it. I'm sorry. She's not here to, to disagree with me or agree with me on either side of this, but this is what we've got from her. Uh, she had issues, very bullheaded, very headstrong woman. Uh, also, I would see here that there's issues with the mother figure and or females, period. There was a jealousy thing that went with her uh, because she didn't know how to deal with women, period. So she did it rather aggressively. Mm-hmm. When she communicated, it would be very direct, almost harsh, not not soft, but not cold. You know what? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes, it does. You're hitting the nail okay, on the head uh, here. Just, since you knew her, that would be good to validate from what I'm getting from her. She wasn't afraid of work. She liked change, but she wasn't overly enthused about change. She worked with it relatively well. And... Her idea what family or what a relationship was supposed to be was guarded by how she felt about it, not how anybody else felt about it. Now, she didn't trust a lot of things in this lifetime. She came into this world to learn how to reach into the spiritual side. So she came 
shall we say, because of the name she had, that that vessel of the spiritual came in empty, that she had to work it through and build it up herself through other circumstances of this lifetime. Very concerned about finances and or money, but not necessarily caring about how it came about or how she took it, brought it into her. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay. And she was concerned about others, but just minutely. It was mm-hmm. more about her. And yes. very, very headstrong about how she saw things and how she wanted things to be. And I took a look at the point in time when she passed, and I found it rather surprising because in looking at it, she passed in a year, had just passed over, that she was going into her seven year. And when this actually took place because of the way the things set up within her chart, it would have been her nine months, her nine, the seven and the nine would have been a combination. So she was finished. She was more than finished and ready to pass on and or to leave. Either that or learn how to teach people to do it differently or better. Mm-hmm. There was a gap there. Um, her idea of wanting things perfect or being a perfectionist about things only concerned her if it involved her. I don't see any warm fuzzies around this woman. Now, am I correct with that, Patricia? Yes, you are. You're absolutely right. Yes. Yes. And when she was ready to pass, she was she was truly ready. She had come... She had come full term, if if that makes any sense. Had she had a fall or something shortly before she passed? You know, I don't know. I I do know that that she had had uh, an amputation years before that came on the heels of problems with circulation in her leg. So I know okay. that that was a very unhappy time for her. Okay, because I'm I'm picking up being very unsteady and the possibility. Excuse me, of a fall of some sort or a tripping and falling, which would have messed up her alignment and made her feel very uncomfortable at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Quite possible. So it, and taking a look at how she perceived things, like I said, she had an idea of things that would be different or better for others, but it always had to be her first. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I'm pulling that up so much as the fact that. She was like a Jekyll and Hyde. She was two different people, depending on who she was talking with or how she was putting things together. But she had a gift that would come from the situation of which she went through, which we will be talking about later this evening, or you're going to be talking about. But that being the the ultimate goal for her, because of the combination of the chart and the way things are laid out, it would have been very difficult for her to really want to give to others because it had to be her first. She always did things yes. in twos, wanting things to be different or, be- or better or to have a relationship, but only if she could control the relationship. If it didn't go that way, she wanted to get rid of the relationship. So her issue started with her mother, and it moved forward from that throughout her life in how she would perceive her relationships with other women, not always the best ways, and or even her marriages because everything was done in twos. That was also at that point in time. 
So that's what I get about the young lady. Well, I think that you you really hit on a lot of the personality issues. And, you know, certainly we know with people who have tremendous gifts like Marianne had, it was mm-hmm. it far superseded anything I've ever seen with any, far beyond psychics, far beyond any mediumship, far mm-hmm. beyond anything I've ever seen. But there's still, we still come into this life with lessons to learn. And oh, surely. we come in imperfect you know we've all got these challenges that we need to either face or work through learn something about so that we can carry these gifts with grace and sometimes mm-hmm. those challenges are just insurmountable and i know well, she she did as we all do the best that we can yeah. exactly and some the of these things outweighed yeah you know it started out with with from birth, her issues with the mother figure and or being in a relationship, being ultra sensitive. So however things were going to go, it kept pulling her back into that area of her not feeling good enough. So she had to take away from somebody else. So it would be like it energized her by pulling back from others. Does that make sense? It does. It most definitely How did you doesn't. meet her? How did you meet Marianne? I met Marianne. <clears throat> through Betty Andreasen Luca, who is, as you know, a dear, dear friend, mm-hmm. and also a Massachusetts abductee. And Betty introduced me to Marianne and said that Marianne wanted somebody to write her story, turn it into a book. And I was interested. And it was interesting, too, because I did a tarot reading that day, and I, I knew I was headed into deep water. <laughs> <laughs> and at the same time, it, it didn't dissuade me. I thought, this is going to be quite an adventure. And it was. It was a real roller coaster ride, and I, mm-hmm. I just, I will be telling you all about it. It is, <laughs> it, it was incredible. And I, if, if you asked me to do it all over again, I would. I definitely would. As difficult and challenging as it was, it was also very rewarding because it took me down a rabbit hole where I could get a first-hand look at a human mm-hmm. being who superseded what anybody else had been able to do. So, again, she was far beyond anything I had ever seen in the paranormal world. And she hated no boredom. She had this. Pardon me? I said she absolutely hated boredom. She always... She was always in another spin on what's going on next. She was always reaching out for it before even before she knew where she was going with it. Does that make sense? It does. It does. She loved the excitement of the people she met. I mean, she met some Mm -hmm. of the you know world-renowned people in the paranormal field. She met Yuri Geller. Andre Puharich was fascinated with her. She knew these people personally, and they were very, very interested in what she could do. So, yes, that fueled her fire to want to do more and and continue on with with her gifts. Yeah. Did you find that some of this rubbed out on rubbed on off on you? Do you feel like some of that happened for you? Uh, somewhat. Did it open did. your eyes? Oh, yeah. Yes. Did it ever? It. <laughs> It did. It really did to what is truly possible for human beings. We are so, mm-hmm. we see ourselves as so limited. But meeting someone like Marianne Shenefield really showed me we're not limited. Things can happen that can totally transform 
who we are, our view of the world. Uh, she really had quite the initiation into an inner world right. of symbols and, and formulas. And, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it was amazing what she had access to. Did she know what it meant at first? No, she didn't. She was a farm girl. Yeah. So hmm. all of this started, and I'll just go right from the beginning, in 1952 okay, good. in Agawa, Massachusetts. Okay. Mm-hmm. She lived on a farm with her parents, Italian heritage, 100%. She had an older brother named Tommy, and he was the favorite, as in most Italian families. That's how it is. And again, this is so many years ago. (laughs) I was part of what I understand. (laughs) You know, yeah, firsthand. This is Uh, how it is. Now, Marianne was a tomboy. She loved animals, absolutely loved animals. She had a great rapport with animals. And she loved being outside, and she liked little Lulu comic books. So she was very much a farm girl, very very normal for 1952, and knew nothing, nothing at all about UFOs, aliens. I mean, that wasn't even really talked about in 52. Oh, right. No, we didn't know what it was. Nobody Buck was Rogers, talking about it, really. Something that was in a movie that was a serial to, to the movies that everybody was in awe of that they could even think of such a thing. Now it's an right. everyday common occurrence. Right, and so this little girl knew nothing about that, and one day her father took her brother Tommy out to build a tree fort. She wanted to go, and they said no. She was furious because she felt left out, and Mm -hmm. she wanted to be one of the guys. She wanted her father to pay attention to her like he did to Tommy, and that wasn't going to happen that day. So it wasn't that her father didn't love her. He did, and her mother, too, both of them very loving to both of their kids. But, you know, kids pick up on certain things, and it it upsets them. Mm -hmm. So this day she was really angry, and her mother told her to stay within a certain area of the farm and not to wear a certain pair of shoes. And, of course, she didn't listen. She wore her red Oxford shoes (laughs) and went out to the far side of the property. So that was her. You know, she was she was mad, and she was going to do what she was going to do. So she took some boards and a hammer and some nails, and she she was like, okay, forget them. I'm going to build my own tree fort. All right, so that set the scene mm-hmm. for what happened next. She goes as far wow. out on the property as she can. She's by herself. It's a clear, sunny day. And she puts her, her equipment down. <laughs> she starts banging away with these boards. And she notices this silver object in the sky, and she thinks that that's an airplane. But it makes no sound. So she watches it for a second or two. She goes back to building what she thinks is going to be her tree for it. And a little while later, she hears branches crackling behind her. And she feels somebody's watching her. She turns around, and she comes face-to-face with what she described as a little boy from China in a scuba diving suit. That was how she <laughs> that would be interesting at that point in time, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes, it fit perfectly. I mean, again, this is a very naive, you know, this is not a sophisticated child. This is right. a farm girl. She knew nothing about <laughs> any of these other things. So she comes face-to-face with this 
little boy from China. She thinks he's from China because he has large, slanted eyes. He has different color skin. It's grayish, but she's attributing this to being from another country. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. he has a large belt around his waist with colors, and he starts pressing that belt, and the next thing she knows, she is being taken aboard, and get this one, what she calls the car from heaven. (laughs) Again. Wow. Yeah, listen to those. Descriptions, you know, that's critical right. in the story, so that everybody who's listening tonight can understand that yes, in fact, this was somebody who is identifying these this experience based on her own experience. Mm-hmm. This had to be a car from heaven, right? What else could it be? Right. Right. Who would have thought at that point in time of anything like UFOs? There wasn't anything exactly. that we knew of. That's right. So they take her in their ship. And they try to calm her down because, of course, she's very nervous and scared. And they put her in front of this machine, which, again, here we are in 1952. This was like a current-day MRI machine because she was able to see, projected onto the screen of this machine, all of her organs, her circulation, everything in living color moving. Now, that's an MRI. Jeez, yeah. But this is in 1952. Well... Right. The whole experience made her sick to her stomach, and she threw up on the alien next to her. (laughs) Good way of getting even. (laughs) Yeah. So they gave her oxygen, thinking that it was a lack of oxygen in in the ship that was causing some of the problem here. But by that time, she was getting terrified. And she started yelling and screaming at them, you know, my my daddy's going to come and get you. My brother's going to come and get you. You know, you have to bring me home. And, I mean, she was really getting hysterical. And who wouldn't? Because you're with strangers. You're above the earth. Um, and they're they're communicating with you, but they were communicating with her telepathically. So mm-hmm. all of this was beyond strange to her. She didn't know what to make of it. And, of course, she felt very vulnerable and very frightened. Well, if you think at that point in time she would never have been in a plane or anything, so this experience of being taken into the, quote, sky car would have been something absolutely incredible for her to deal with. It absolutely was. It, it was It was just so outside the norm that you, I can't even put it in words. I mean, this was beyond right. anything she could have ever even imagined at that point. That's absolutely amazing. Wow. Yes. And she was terrified. Yes, she was only 11. Keep that in oh. mind, too. An 11-year-old back in 1952 <laughs> is very different than an 11-year-old today. You said it. Yeah. So eventually they um, they bring her back, and they let her out, and she runs like the wind to an old walnut tree where her favorite cat had been buried. And she just lies down and falls asleep and then wakes up and then runs back to the house. Now, of course, her parents are out of their minds by then because they don't know where she is. They know they told her where she should be so they could keep their eye on her, but she wasn't there. And then she was just Mm -hmm. gone. So they were also scared to death. Well, she runs into the house. 
she goes into her bedroom, slams the door, pulls all the shades down, and turns her radio on. They don't know what's going on. The parents come in, they're like, what happened? Are you okay? You know, and she just is talking about the car from heaven, the boy from China. They don't know what the heck's going on. <laughs> That's got to be frightening for them at that point in time because we don't see things like we do on TV every day today. At that point in right. time, they didn't even have that to work with. No. So they were confused. They thought, oh, my God, you know, did, did somebody kidnap her and molest her? You know, that was their thinking on this. And then she's, uh, she started having a rash, which may have been from radiation. I don't know, but something that she was exposed to on the ship. They ended up taking her to the doctor, and the doctor said, no, she's definitely not molested. That didn't happen. Don't worry about that. But they still didn't know what happened. And mm-hmm. she had some memory of it, but, again, limited language to be able to describe what happened. Mm-hmm. Now, how would you describe at that point in time when the things that we know today as commonplace weren't even thought of then? No, not at all. No, nobody was talking about any of this back then. This was unheard of. And especially in a rural area as Agawam was mm-hmm. back then. Agawam was all farms quite Jeez. built up now it's very different but back then it was farms right makes a big difference yes so after this occurred it was about within six months she was playing the piano she took piano lessons and her father asked her to pay, play the polonaise which was his favorite and she said i can't and he's like why not here's the music right here's the sheet music put the sheet music up in front of her she said, I can't see it. So oh, wow. apparently her eyesight had to be shot. Oh, yeah. I mean, her father was so, so upset and because apparently her eyesight was diminishing, but she never said anything about it. And, mm-hmm. you know, with kids, too, if it's a subtle change, they're not likely to notice it until right. it gets major, right? They wouldn't mm-hmm. even think about it if things fade or look different. Uh, and it's gradual, it would seem normal. That's right. So at this point, she can't see the sheet music that's like a foot in front of her, and her father knows there's something seriously wrong. He takes her to the eye doctor that's local, and the eye doctor thinks, well, maybe it's just a problem with weak muscles. He gives her eye exercises to do, but it does not help. So they're close enough to Boston. He takes her um, to the best hospital and, and has someone else examine her eyes only to find out that she does have macular degeneration. Now, what that does, mm. it most that mostly happens in older people. Yeah. Right. And, you know, it destroys your central vision. So, anyhow, that's what they discovered she had. Now, it can also be inherited genetically, which that's my personal opinion. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. my opinion that this macular degeneration came on because it can happen, in the research that I did, it can happen to children around this age, around the age of 12 and 13. Of course, it is devastating. And you think about well, when you're a young teenager, you know, you're looking forward to the first time that you're going to get your learner's permit to drive. And you're going to be going out with your friends and parties and proms and all these kinds of things. And when you lose your vision, you know, all of that changes. Oh, for heaven's sake. Yeah, it's it's really a horrible, horrible thing. 
Now, her father took her to all kinds of specialists to see if anything could be done to reverse this. And at that time, there was absolutely nothing that could be done. Now, this disease did progress to Stargardt's disease, which is, again, another genetic issue, and it also starts to destroy your peripheral vision. Now, was there anything like that in the family, Patricia? You know, what I found out is this. There was nothing within, like, grandparents to parents. However, this is the kind of genetic anomaly that can be back four or five generations, and then all of a sudden... Back. Yeah, yeah. I know my husband kid, creeps up again. Yeah, yeah. One Listen, kid can get family. hit with with two recessive genes and have it. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Yeah. So everything so, was accelerating in in her life. You know, it, just, it just seems like everything was anything that was that could happen was happening to her. You know? Yes. And uh, yeah, boy, how frustrating for her. Oh, definitely. Because at that age. Yeah, I mean, she was really, you know, a ball of fire, and she just loved her animals, and she loved riding her bike, and she used to pick she up praying mantises off off the ground and put them on her bike handles. <laughs> and ride around <laughs> wow. with these praying mantises, you know, attached to her. I mean, she was just so funny that way. And, and she just, huh? again, her love of animals, I really you know, had a lot of respect for her because I'm the same way. I just love animals, and she yeah. was that way. Takes one to know one, right? That's right. So as this vision deterioration progressed, obviously things were becoming more and more challenging for her. And it was difficult because she didn't fit in anymore. She wasn't, again, that happens a lot with people that have these types of vision disabilities. Um, Their whole world comes crashing down. So unfortunately... That type of disability puts you at a distance from your peers. Yes, exactly. And it's hard because, you know, when you're a teenager, what do you want to do most? You want to fit in. That's right. Right. So, you know, that wasn't happening. And so, again, this was a painful time for her. My heart goes out to her and anybody who has to face this at any time in life, but especially in those teenage years. It's a tough, tough Mm -hmm. one. Definitely. She never really revisited at that time the first experience in 1952. So that was kind of just in the background. It happened. Nobody understood it. She didn't even know what it was, and so on she went with her life. You spoke about then, a, um, um, there was a man that was aboard the ship that was dead that she noticed, that he was dead. He was from a different time or something like this? This was the second abduction. There were two. Oh, wow. Okay, so the first abduction happened in 1952. Now, and then all of this happened with her vision. You know, she went on to continue to work for her parents. They owned the farm. They had a greenhouse. She did a lot of work in the greenhouse with the plants. And so she, you know, she worked. She contributed. And so her parents basically ended up uh, helping her to get her first home, which was down the street from theirs. So she was living fairly independently, and obviously her parents were there to support her um, as she needed help. But one night, uh, one, actually one afternoon, she was getting ready to go out and meet some friends. And she heard a beeping sound. She didn't know where it was coming from. And she goes outside to look. Now, her house, 
that her parents helped her get, that was bordering 800 acres of land called the meadows. The meadows mm. consisted of field and forest. It was a large, large piece of land that was not developed. So that was right behind her house. So she goes outside to try to find the source of this noise, and of course she has, at this point, very limited peripheral vision. She can't see anything. All of a sudden, something takes her hand, and she feels like she's floating. And that's the second abduction which took place. This is 20 years after the first one. And she's taken aboard another ship. And now, here's your question, George, about the man that she saw. Mm-hmm. She did see a man who was dead, and it frightened her. She asked the uh, aliens that were there, why was this man there, what happened to him? And they replied that he had died during a war, and that's all they said about him. They had long conversations with him, with her at that time, but she doesn't remember, she just didn't remember much of it. But what's so interesting is in both abductions, she was not experimented on. You know how a lot of people talk about that. Yeah, sure. Lying on the Open table pine. and, you know, the probe goes yeah. into their eye or whatever. That didn't happen. So they actually talked to her. And we're telling her what they were doing. So it, it was a very different abduction experience than, than most abductions. Totally different than Betty's then. Very different, yes. Very different than Betty's and and very different than most people. So there's this way that they had of of almost talking to her like she was an equal. It was very unusual. Hmm. And there were no implants or anything done to her? No. Nothing. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Somehow they could relate to her. Yes. Yes. Makes you wonder if there's not more, if there wasn't a little bit more that went on prior to her birth that may have transpired that the family wasn't really paying attention to at the time? It's quite possible, again, without understanding reference points for these kinds Mm -hmm. of things. I think she did have a healing ability even before this first abduction. I mean, she Uh did have a rooster that she loved and and trained him to come when called, and he also had something wrong with one of his legs, and her grandmother wanted the rooster turned into rooster soup. And... (laughs) You know, typical Not, grandmother, Italian grandmother, you know, if it doesn't serve a purpose, it's going to be on the table, you know. That's right. Eat it. And so she hid him. She hid the rooster. And she would go sneak out and heal, you know, put her hands on the rooster's leg until it healed. Wow. So wow. She, she did have abilities even before any of this happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she was returned again uh, to her home, and she woke up to the phone ringing. It was many hours later, you know, into the night, and her friends were like, where are you? But by now it was very late at night, and she wasn't feeling well from this whole experience. She remembered some of it, but it was kind of hazy. So that was her second abduction. And again, she Mm. still had the issue with her vision, and not being able to see clearly, so she doesn't know who took her hand. She she just knows it was some type of an ET. What she described to me when she talked about it was that these ETs looked more human. They did not they did not look like the first ones 
Great. How did the first ones look? Oh, they looked like grays. They had the slanted eyes. They had gray skin. Oh, that's right. They had suits mm-hmm. on. Did the second wow. encounter give her an ability to see them, even though her her vision was not good, because she could distinguish that they weren't the same? She could distinguish because she still had, at that point, she still had her peripheral vision. She could see okay. from the uh-huh. side. So she could see, and what she told me was they were more human-looking. And mm. but the you know seeing that dead man there it, it scared her because she's thinking what are they doing you know there's people and they're cutting them up what are they doing so, yeah that's scary in its own they, right yeah but again you know they talked to her they had conversations with her and again I'm sure it was a telepathic experience but they treated her quite differently so she she goes back to her home and again it's late at night her friends are wondering where the heck she was and what was going on um and from there and this is i think the most interesting thing that happened uh after that second abduction it was several months after at least and she was riding in a car with a friend of hers and she felt and saw a dark blue spiral come from behind and go right into her head and then it came in the other side, also from behind. And after those spirals hit her, all of a sudden she could see. And she's screaming at her friend, stop the car. I can see. I can see those blue shutters on that house. And he's like, oh, my God, how can you see that? You know, that's 200 yards away. And she's like, I, I don't know, but I can see it. So she was ecstatic. Oh, I bet. Oh, yeah. Because for whatever reason, all of a sudden, she was able to see. And it was a thrilling moment. Then it dissipated. Imagine. But she called her eye doctor, explained what happened, and the doctor's like, look, I'm telling you right now, there is no way that you're ever going to be able to see again. I don't know why this happened. I don't know what it is. But your eyes will never return to normal. So, of course, she was very disappointed and sad to hear that. But that experience was profound because it led to the next thing. And the next thing that happened was she went to bed, and all of a sudden she sees a large golden lion, like, floating in front of her. And here's the difficult part. She closes her eyes. It's still there. And hmm. she's screaming at it, go away, go away, what are you, go away. You know, She thinks something terrible is happening to her. Again, she had no reference points for any of this. She never even heard the word psychic. She didn't know what that meant. Right, right. So she's seeing this thing floating in front of her. And as time goes on, it continues to multiply. Now, She's not just seeing this. Now she's seeing symbols. Now she's seeing colors. Now she's seeing formulas. And there is no more darkness. So when she closes her eyes, she doesn't see darkness anymore. She sees all of this, all of these light symbols, all of these colors. That's hence the name, colors in the dark. Because can you imagine if you were not able to see darkness anymore? When you closed your eyes, you kept seeing as if your eyes were open 
and you're seeing right. things that you don't even know what in the world they are. Mm-hmm. Sleep is possible with something like that taking place. I'm sorry, PK, I didn't hear you. I said sleep would be almost impossible with that taking place. Uh, absolutely. It would be hard to I shut mean, it, down the mind. Yeah, there was no way to shut it down. It was just on all the time. And she didn't even know what she was looking at. So <clears throat> she went to the doctor. The doctor's like, oh, I'll give you some Valium, calm you down, you'll be able to sleep. The Valium made it worse. Hmm. So, yeah, because it slowed everything down. So all it did was make everything that she was watching move in slow motion. Oh, dear. You know, that would be even worse. Yeah. So she was seeing objects like numbers and patterns and discolors and everything, things like that? Everything, yes, everything like that. And it all had meaning, but she didn't know what it meant. Mm. Again, remember who she was and where she came from. Right. What was the, the the feeling of the blue lion? What was that? The lion all about? was gold, but the spirals were blue, and okay. the spirals were kinetic energy. I mean, that was kinetic energy that came from somewhere, okay. and the but the lion was gold, and that's also an alchemical symbol mm-hmm. for transformation, as well as part of the ancient Egyptian initiation. You know, when hmm. I was reading about it. The I kept getting the blue with with the lion, and then as soon as you said it was gold, then all of a sudden it was like the blue popped up around it, which yes, made it stand it, out even right. more so. It did because there was a blue field. Of, you're right about that around the lion. You see that dark blue energy. She was so telekinetic, and we're going to get into that too. Some of the things that she was able to do, which were quite incredible way beyond some of the things that Yuri did, even though Yuri himself was amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Marianne was also amazing in what she could do with her mind and how she could move matter. So as this continued, she thinks she's losing her mind. She she checked herself into the Yeah, I could understand that. Yeah, and they said, there's nothing wrong with you. You're not mentally ill. Leave. So that was the end of that. Then she thought, well, maybe I'm possessed. So she called the priest Here. to do an exorcism, <laughs> and he came oh, and he God. blessed her and he blessed all the rooms in the house and, and didn't make any difference. So she's still stuck with this. <clears throat> she tried smoking pot. Somebody gave her some marijuana. She said, "I'll try anything to stop this," and she said it made it worse again. And that really slowed everything down. To the point where when she was walking, she'd be walking into the symbols. So it had to be frightening. It was very frightening. I mean, the first night it happened, she took a big, stiff drink and passed out. And that was the the only time that she was able to get away from it. But it just kept coming. And once again, she did not know much about... Any of the stuff that we know about, any of the paranormal, right. she did not know it. So this to her was so, so unusual and alien, really, no pun intended, mm-hmm. that she just didn't know what to do. I mean, her, her, her life was spiraling out of control. And at the same so these time... Codes, uh-huh. These codes and things that she was receiving, she wasn't able to decipher what they meant? 
eventually she was able to figure out what they meant and mm-hmm. for example and as time progressed you know more information came to light and the thing that was so fascinating to me about her is that she could look at you George for example mm-hmm. and she could tell you your lineage she could tell you what health problems you had she could tell you wow. your strengths your challenges everything just by looking at her. Yeah, just by looking at you. Both of us. And she'd be 100% right. Amazing. Mm. So that was one of her amazing talents. That The other thing that happened that I think is critical for everybody to understand about her is that her parents brought her to a psychiatrist. And <clears throat> this was after they had heard a couple of radio programs where they did hear somebody talking about the paranormal, about psychic, about she finally started to learn something about that. She also heard a show on the radio about UFOs. She contacted the person, met with them, and then she went to see a local psychiatrist, Dr. John Donahue. Dr. Donahue gave her sodium amytal to bring her memories back. Now, she is the only, as far as I know, the only UFO abductee that was given truth serum. Now, what happens with truth serum, which you may not realize, is that it's difficult to direct somebody to answer questions because this everything comes out, everything. It doesn't matter what it is. It may not be pertinent to what you want to know, but it's just, there's no filter. So it all comes flying out. And out came her first abduction and her second abduction. So I don't and know anybody who's had clarity. this theorem, but there you go. There's proof that that really did happen. Mm-hmm. Because yep. with hypnosis, there, you know, there's always naysayers that, that talk about, well, you know, you can be influenced. And I think that may be true if the hypnotist is not experienced in what they're doing. But, right. <laughs> excuse me, she had truth serum. And the truth serum uh, did take away the filter, and, and these two abductions came out. So, did she feel any, any different after the uh, truth serum as far as what she saw or how she responded to what she saw? I think it helped her to put things in perspective that she wasn't crazy, that this really did well, that, happen that to her. Age. Yeah, and that was a big step because, you know, all of this confusion around what is this, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was huge. I mean, what was this? Right, what, that's what was gigantic. The first abduction? Yeah. Well, how terrifying it would be to be unable to see, and yet you see all of these things, and there's no correlation to what you've seen or lived prior to that. Right. That's right. Again, mm. no reference points for any of it. So by the time that I met Marianne, she had some kind of a handle on what these symbols meant and the ability to interpret them and also to have vision into other people's lives, which was incredible. And there were just so many things that she was able to do. And she, if she got angry, watch out. Because the the telekinetic experiences happened. I'll give you an example. Oh. She was married to her husband, Danny, and she and Danny said to her, you, know, you really should quit smoking. And she's like, yeah, I know. And she was a chain smoker. 
Oh, so, my God, I can't believe you said that. Why? She says Gabriel doesn't like it. He doesn't like the smoke. Oh. She's got your dog. Oh. Oh, my God. Yeah, oh. she's got your dog. She just lets oh. you want to And he doesn't that. like smoke. He doesn't <laughs> like the smoke. Not smoking, Marianne. My God, you can't even stop over there. <laughs> no, she said you can smoke all you want here. It's great. Oh. So, oh, there's no penalty. Be happy. Oh, yeah. gosh. Oh, that's so interesting, that, George. Yeah, she just popped up. Right when you said that she was a chain smoker or something, she just said, yeah, Gabriel doesn't like it. <laughs> oh, don't so, smoke around my dog. <laughs> that's right. Archer. Oh. Yeah. Oh, well, anyway, oh. just so I can tell you the rest of the story, maybe she'll pop back in again. Um, what happened was she went out to eat at a restaurant with her husband, and she was just really craving a cigarette. And she said, give me my cigarettes to her husband. He said, no, you know, you, you're you trying to quit. You know, you're making some progress. And she banged her hand on the table and said, give me my cigarettes. And she blew out the transformer that handled that whole neighborhood. She <laughs> blew it up. Wow. She was definitely the head of the area. Yeah. yeah. But talk about, you know, power. I mean, she was somebody who had that kind of power. She, There was no question in my mind. I know one time I said something to her, she got mad. And her husband was with her and I, and he points up to the ceiling. I <laughs> look. My chandelier is swinging, swinging. Oh, man. Yeah. Like so, it didn't come yeah, off. She, yeah, she was capable of doing these types of things. Now, could she control it? Um, it was hard for her to control it, but it mainly would be set off by when she got mad. When she got mad, like I said, you had to watch out because these things could happen. So is her husband still alive? Her husband's still alive. They did get a divorce uh, fairly recently, actually. I think it was in the last, I don't know, five or six years, something like that. They mm-hmm. were divorced. Well, that was her second husband, was it not? That was what? That was her second husband, was it not? Third. 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 Oh, she was a busy girl. <laughs> yeah. Well, so were the guys. I'm sure they're going, what the hell is going on here? Well, well I mean, you Considering her her abilities and her lack of vision on a day-to-day basis, I mean, most people are lucky to find one person that they could spend their life with. But three, that's that's pretty darn good. <laughs> I know, really. Wow. Really. So, yes. So the other thing that she could do as her, she developed more and more along this path is she was able to get on people's frequencies. And what I mean by that is this. I would be in my office seeing a client. All of a sudden, I smell tobacco. I smell smoke. Somebody's smoking, right? And I'm like, Jesus, God, you know, I don't allow smoking here. And my client's smelling the smoke. I look outside. There's nobody outside. There's nobody else in the office area or the house area. There's nobody. Where the heck is this coming from? And it's strong. We can both smell it. So I called up Marianne. I'm like, are you on my frequency? She's like, yeah, and I can't stop smoking. I'm like, would you just get off my frequency? Because wow. We're smelling You're ruining smoke. my sessions. 
Right. We are smelling the smoke as if you're in the room. She goes, oh, I'm really sorry. Incredible. Okay, I'll get off your frequency. But that's what she could do. So, and she would, she could get on my frequency, and all of a sudden, I'd be like, "What's the peanut butter sandwich?" I don't like peanut butter. She would be craving a peanut butter sandwich, and then I would start craving a peanut butter sandwich. It, it was that strong with her that she could do that. That's wow. a little scary when it comes to intimacies as well. Then, <laughs> yes. yeah, she, she was so you know again the power that she had was yeah. indisputable. And of course, the alphabet agencies were interested in her because well, of, of course. What are, the, what are the alphabet agencies? What does that FBI, mean? FBI, CIA, and oh, oh, government. Those guys. Governmental. And it's uh-huh. funny. She had. Oh, I'll I tell bet. you what, though. She had a really healthy attitude about them because she knew they were bugging her phone. And gee, mm-hmm. I wonder know, why. Easy, yeah, really. And it's easy to get paranoid about that. I mean, way back then. They were the government was very aggressive going after abductees and gave them a hard time. And so it's easy to get very afraid and you feel like you're always being watched, always being listened to. Well, she had a really good attitude about it. She's like, They're listening to me, good. Maybe they'll learn something. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the wow. reality. Was like, through them, they wanna listen, that's fine. Maybe they'll learn something. And I I thought that was a great attitude to have. Mhm. Yeah, in some ways it could have helped her, you know, to explain yeah. things, you know, to understand stuff. I'm surprised yeah. they didn't use it for more experiments or, you know, call her in and do things, have her do stuff. Well, so. again, there there were some strange things that did occur, and I'll, I'll share some of those with you. But let me go back over one thing before we go to break. And when I first met Marianne, she drank a lot, and she drank a lot to get away from this. But it mm-hmm. was... It was out of control. It was out of control. And so at one point I had to talk to her about this, and I said, listen, you need to stop this with the drinking because she would end up calling me like at 1 o'clock in the morning and and she'd be drunk. And I felt for her, believe me, you know, and what she was going through and trying to control this. And she was also, another thing, furious with the aliens because she felt they did this to her. She felt that they blinded her, mm-hmm. and she felt that they also brought her sight back this way. Mm-hmm. So she was angry at them. Now, I didn't, I didn't walk in her shoes, but at the same time, to me, I was looking at it quite differently. I was like, maybe it's possible, Marianne, that they didn't blind you, that this is a genetic thing that was going to happen. And maybe mm-hmm. they gave you the gift of these blue spirals and to them, they think they're giving you a gift because you can. Yeah, because you can see, you can walk around. I mean, they could take a. The, the uh, people from the blind institute would come and say, "Well, we got to help you because you're disabled and this and that." And they'd take her to this auditorium, and they wanted to teach her how to use a cane. And her husband's just laughing. He's like, "Yeah, let's watch this happen." And they <laughs> took a penny, and they threw it the length of the auditorium. And she just walked over and picked it up. Hmm. So she could see. I mean, there was a way that she would determine what she was seeing in physical reality and what she was seeing in the other reality. You so know, maybe they put things in her energetically. You know, they put things in her energetically. But, no, but I, for being I, human. All, yeah, I don't you know. know. You know, all I it's all like, that I, it's like, she knew about yeah, the spiral. It's like putting a, a a Japanese part in a Ford engine, 
You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. quite it works, but it doesn't quite work as well or differently. You know, so I don't know. There was something like that that was dealing she was dealing with. But yeah. either way, man, her things were profound. I mean, that's just absolutely amazing. And also torture for her. You know, it yeah. must have tortured her so much. You know? It did. And you guys were pretty close, right, to to the end? We were very close, close, so close for track. many years, yes. And and it did, you know, this, this again, is such a – this experience is so outside what most people can even wrap their minds oh, around. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And – after the break, I'll I'll start with another experience okay. that happened when she was able to diagnose illnesses also. Okay. So we'll okay. start with that. But we're going to take a short commercial break, everybody. Stay tuned. You are listening to Supernatural Girls Radio. We'll be right back. Pure essential oils, specialized minerals, and a revolutionary anti-aging technology, Astridian combines the best of all scientifically proven ingredients in easy-to-use creams, lotions, and concentrated serums. Astridian's advanced line of products take your skin to a new level of being healthy and beautiful. We offer a variety of collections that address all your skin concerns. The Essential Anti-Aging Series treats and moisturizes your skin for a long-lasting, younger look. The Multivitamin Series promotes healthy skin with high-quality vitamins and minerals. The Sports Series restores skin from cellular damage and stress. Astridian also offers a revitalizing solution for hair and a professional series for doctors and medical spas. Visit astridian.love today and begin your new journey to healthy, beautiful, youthful skin. Astridian. Beyond your expectations. There are a lot of psychics out there. How do you decide which one is right for you? You look for someone who empowers you, who's practical and spiritually connected, who says, here are your opportunities, here are your challenges, and here's a way to deal with them, and then gives you your own toolbox to make your life everything you want it to be. Hi, I'm Corby Mitleide, and that's how I work with you. As a certified professional tarot reader, I've helped thousands of people for over 40 years through my toolbox. Cards, past life retrieval, numerology, spirit guide conferences, and mediumship. Whether it's career, relationships, finances, or your spiritual road, together we can replace your confusion with clarity. And you'll probably find a little laughter along the way. Visit me at CorbyMitlai.com to find out how to cross your bridge from fear to fearlessness and fly and tell me you found me at Supernatural Girls for a special gift with your reading Corby Mitlide the practical psychic for catching your tomorrows today find me at CorbyMitlide.com that's CorbyMitlide.com your property tax bill have you seen it lately it's frightening your property taxes are going up while your home value is going down It's time to fight back and win. For the real truth about the property tax system, get Attorney Pat Quintilian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Attorney Quintilian answers all your questions and gives you the facts you need to fight a property tax bill that is spiraling out of control. Also read about what happens to property owners who don't check their property records 
only to find out too late they're taxed on square footage, fixtures, and even buildings that they don't own. Is this happening to you? Learn your rights. Buy attorney Pat Quintilian's book today. Are you getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it. Available on Amazon.com. Are you frustrated with endless mantras, affirmations, and processes that promise to align your life with your dreams only to find yourself years later in the same space where you began? Do you feel like you must be doing something wrong because nothing seems to be working? Don't you just wish that someone could shift your consciousness for you and your life could align with your desires without all the effort? Well, your wish is about to come true. Hi, I'm Carrie Cannon, and I have a gift that allows me to align the consciousness of others to be in harmony with their dreams. The best part is, it requires no particular effort on your part. Upon listening to a consciousness alignment, people have reported instant energy shifts, financial windfalls, soulmate connections, healed relationships, physical healings, and more. To gain access to a free trial offer for my entire Manifesting Miracles library of consciousness alignments, go to commandmiracles.com now for details. Again, that's commandmiracles.com for information about our free trial offer. That's commandmiracles.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I'm actually the guest tonight, and I'm being interviewed by my terrific co-host, Patricia Kirkman, PK, and George Lugo. You can find Patricia Kirkman at patriciakirkman.com and also at supernaturalgirls.com to schedule your own personal numerology reading. And you can reach George Lugo for psychic mediumship. He's the best in the world. And you can find him at crystalgatereadings.com. That's crystalgatereadings.com. So we are talking tonight about a friend of mine, and her name is Marianne Shenefield. And we're talking about her UFO experiences, how she went blind from macular degeneration and then regained her sight through some unknown paranormal experience and became an extremely powerful person in the world of the paranormal and in the world of life. So what I wanted to share with you next is her ability to diagnose illnesses. I had a client in my office who was in tremendous pain, and I was very worried about her. So I called Marianne. I said, I I don't know what to do. Can you tell me what's going on with this person? And she said, oh, yeah. She said she has um, endometriosis and a tremendous amount of scar tissue, and that's what's causing her pain. So it's not life-threatening. Don't worry about it. Well, it was within, I think, two months that that lady went and had surgery for endometriosis, and the doctor said he had never seen so much scar tissue, ever, and that was the cause of her pain. Incredible. So Pretty popular was, girl, boy. Yeah, I mean, she could do that with anybody. She told me about, she said, well, you have hypothyroid. I said, no, I don't. I test completely normal. She said, I'm telling you. Your hypothyroid. She was right. I was. So she had this, again, amazing ability to just look at somebody and be able to tell them, this is your physical problem, this is where it's coming from, and you should go talk to your doctor about it. She was never wrong. 
Hmm. Now, when she looked at people because of it, only the color and the light, what did she see when, she, well, like when she was looking at you? Did she see you as I would see you if I was sitting with you? Or she was would see me a, as energy. She could see me either way. She would see me as energy. Or it's like I would look like a negative, okay? Like a, you know how a picture, oh. the old-fashioned pictures and with negatives, mm-hmm. that's how it would, I would look to her. But in energy, she would just see all the energy. Um, so she would be able to, again, do the same thing of being able to tell my lineage, being able to see what my health problems were, anything. She could just glance at me and see all of it. Was I looking at, at a total negative that was shining through? Yes, that's Your what it was like. Negative. You can see everything. Yep. Yes. Yes. She probably got so? used to the. Uh, she probably got used to the colors. You know the how things would show up if something was wrong or bad, or it probably had a, a certain color to it, and she would kind yes. of zero and in the, on and it. the vibration yeah. also. She would see and a the wave. vibration yeah. of it. Yeah. Yes. Sure. You could determine Amazing. all of that. She's very, very expert at those things, and, and she was able, I know in, in later years she also did a lot of research for people in, you know, as scientists that wanted to know what mm-hmm. was going on with something, and, and she would be able to tell them what was going on with planets, with, you know, in our solar system, outside of our solar system. I mean, she could just look and, and tell you. And again, she was Amazing. never wrong. I never, ever found that, found that her she was wrong about anything that she saw in energy. Well, she's waiting for you to do something about it, because right now she's just barely a barely a footnote, you know, out there. You know, not too many people have heard of her. I don't think. So I would love you're gonna, to write her you're story. You're going to carry the yeah. Why don't you? I'm going to. Her, and you can. Yeah, you Marianne, should. Man, I'm going to do this. I'm going to. I'm talking to George now, and I'm talking to you. I will do it. So she's holding your it, dog up here. Oh. Yeah. It's fine. He seems like a puppy. Oh, good. So, yeah, he seems a like a puppy. Full of, yep, he's, Ugh, there. he's there. I miss him. I miss him. He says he's been well, in so, that bed already. Partner misses him as well. How's the other pup doing, honey? Hermes misses him terribly. It's very hard for Hermes. Hermes. Hermes sees sees him. Hermes yes, doesn't. I, mean, I noticed. Yes, you're right. Yes, he started yeah. to see him. Yeah. Wow, it's amazing. That's that's great. Yeah, but, but yeah, it's been tough. I mean, this, I have to be honest. It's like it's the worst loss, and mm-hmm. Hermes was I crying himself to I sleep I until a couple nights ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's really oh. hard losing Gabriel. It's a Sorry. big loss for me. Yeah, huge. huge and for loss. Hermes too. Very hard. Ever been well, or has he? Pardon me? I said Hermes was never alone before. He was never alone before, and what's so interesting is he was also the dominant one. So mm-hmm. he always acted like the tough guy, and, and Gabriel was just kind of laid back, like, okay, Hermes, you know, whatever you want. But without, <laughs> yeah, but without Gabriel here, what we're seeing is a dog that has lost his confidence, mm-hmm. that isn't sure of himself. I mean, it's like Gabriel gave him the balance and the stability to be mm-hmm. the tough guy, you know, and now that Gabriel's not here, it's very difficult mm-hmm. for him, and it's heartbreaking for me because I'm like, not only am I 
feeling the loss myself, but I look at Hermes and see his loss, and oh my God! Oh, that's even worse. That is, because it's, it's it's just so yeah. much worse. I I just can't even put it in words. There are no words for this kind of deep, profound no. loss. Really. Right. Have you felt them on your bed? Your Have you felt them on your bed? I did. Getting up there. Yep. That's what you're I saying. felt him sitting on my right foot. I knew it was him. Yes. Oh my God! I should I should have just said it. Something about your feet sitting on your foot, or being next to your foot, leaning up against it, or something about being on your bed. He, yes, so, you're right. You're right. Wow. He misses you too. Ah, oh, really? We just were in love with each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very very hard, yeah. and I appreciate everybody who sent their warm wishes and hugs and virtual hugs and. People send flowers and cards, and I just can't even tell you how much that meant, everybody. So thank you for that. It's a major, major loss for me and for Hermes. So, anyways. Well, Marianne's talking about getting getting her story out there. I'd love to do that. Made out of it, you know, a movie, uh, you know, something, a book, a movie. She she really kind of she's depending on you. Well, yeah, at the time like that I was writing you. this, the this, this story was a little bit thin. It was difficult to flesh out. It didn't manifest. She did have other authors give it a try, and it just didn't happen. So I don't know if we just, all of us authors didn't have the right context to put this in at the time or the right way to write about it, but I feel like I do now. So yeah, I've already discussed now. it with a friend of mine in L.A. who has access to some larger production studios. I'd love to see this because I think Marianne's story is is a tremendous story to tell because it's not just about her power. It's it's also about how she struggled with her humanity. Right. And that was, it was always getting in the way. And it was very difficult sometimes for people to work with her, we all loved her, and I adored her, and I thought the world of her, and she knew that. But as you said, PK, if things didn't go the way she wanted to, then she became difficult. Yeah. And well, she had a temp. She had quite a temper. Yes. Yes. Well, she's indeed. saying it's time. So try it this time. Third's a charm. Like, <laughs> I'm so happy to do try it. it this time. She said it's timely yeah. now. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. And and again, you know, what she showed me and the people who knew her is that these things are quite possible. And that's an amazing future to look at, to think that we can do these amazing things. We can mm-hmm. look into a person's energy field and diagnose them accurately. You know, we can move things with our mind. We can you know, know what's going on in our universe uh, just by paying attention to it. It's been proven so many times over and over, and yet we're still skeptical of it really being a fact. Yeah, I mean, again, she was living proof that not only was alien abduction real, I mean, it really happened to her. And again, with the truth serum part of her story, there's nobody else that I know of that's undergone sodium amytal by a certifi- board certified by you know psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Nobody mm-hmm. did that back then. So nobody does that now. No, but they no. should. 
They should if you want to retrieve them. Don't you think so at that time? Do I think what? I think that people were afraid of it at that time. It's almost like they were afraid of letting their guard down so that they would be thought of differently or something would respond well, yeah, in a different we all know, and we've heard this from our own guests on the show, that this was a club mm-hmm. nobody really wanted to belong to because there was no upside True. to it. So, right. again, this became this was a part of her life since she was 11 years old. And, again, she didn't have a lot of the skills and the resources to know what to do with any of this. Mm-hmm. It was just totally, totally foreign. And, I mean, I at one point... I was working in my office with a group of sisters, came from a large family, and all of a sudden I saw, like Marianne saw, and I saw these lines of light. Now, when I talk about lines of light and the way she saw, these things were alive, all right? So it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, watching a live wire almost, but, but bigger yeah. and stronger, and, and just, I mean, it's hard for me to even describe what I saw. But all of a sudden, you know, I saw they the, have the commercial you know, stay away from these wires that are down. That yes, that, that it's spark very that comes similar off. to that. Except that's they were what I'm consistent. Picking up around you when you talk about it. Yes, it was very much like that. So you're you're looking at all this energy, but it's more than looking at it. You're feeling mm-hmm. it. And when I saw these lines connect from one sister to another, okay, and I'm watching this, I can tell you this: it was exhausting. It was absolutely, I was exhausted. I had to go lie down after the session. I didn't expect that. I can that. imagine so. Yeah, I did not expect that because you think, well, you're just watching, you're thinking, well, she's watching light. And, of course, that's disconcerting when you want to go to sleep. But mm-hmm. it was more than watching light. It was watching these live, energetic connections, you know, one person to another, one person to you know, their pet or or their partner or their land. or I mean, it's just like it's endless. So if you think about that, again, how overwhelming something like that would be. Also terrifying because it's so unexpected, the yes. depth of it. She did get you used know, to it to a point. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I just but saw I remember a photograph. Her, there oh, were photographs ahead, no, that that she had taken uh, of these yes. lights that would show up around her too, like there were strings of lights. Yes, and I was just going to say that. Yes, she had those. I, yeah. And she also um, knew when there was a UFO over my house, and when I lived well, in Rocky Hill, Connecticut, for a she while would call too. me and say, "There's there's a UFO over your house." I'm like, "Where?" <laughs> They would go look outside, and she go, there's three lights. See those tri- that triangle in the sky? I'm like, yeah. She goes, that's a UFO. It's over your house. How did she and Betty connect when they were talking about their, their situations? Because their abductions oh, they, were they different. They were yet. very different. I mean, again, uh, mm-hmm. Betty was very spiritual and and is very spiritual. And as you mentioned, Marianne really was not. But um, <laughs> Night you know, and day. Betty... Betty and Marianne got along quite well, and you know Betty gets along with everybody. Let's face it; she's just a love, and she's her sweetheart. sweetheart. And she, yes, yeah, yes. and she, so she got she got along well with everybody. Now Marianne also knew Betty Hill, 
from oh. New Hampshire. Remember Betty and Barney Hill? And and I oh, got yeah. to meet Betty. Betty Hill came to her house, Marianne's house, and and we met. I also got to meet Andrea because of Marianne, who was an incredible man. So she was able to open the door for me to meet uh, people that I wouldn't have met any other way. And I'm very grateful to her for that. It was, again, a wonderful adventure. But it was a bit of a roller coaster ride at the same time because of the alcohol, because of the fact that she mm-hmm. was trying to juggle so many things. I mean, her her own personal issues as as well as, you know, the anger stuff. It wasn't managed well, which a lot of people don't manage that well. And, and of course, this tremendous gift and tremendous power. And, the and she was very... Later, talk which about also the rooms created in, a problem the rooms in her mind. because of not yeah, knowing about how to. The rooms in her mind. Oh, okay, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say she was very much a manipulator because those around her didn't always know how to handle her. Because one minute it would be uplifting, and the next minute it would almost be a domineering force going through. Yes, exactly that. And so it was difficult to manage. I, I can remember talking to Betty, Andreas, and Luca about it and saying, this woman's driving me crazy, and Betty felt so bad. She goes, oh, I never should have introduced you. I'm like, don't feel that way. This has been great, and it's a challenge and a half. <laughs> it's okay. You know, because underneath be all this, and we all loved Marianne. You know, we did. Mm-hmm. And we respected the fact that she had these challenges. But at the same time, we didn't know how to handle some of it. It was a little overwhelming right. for all of us, too. Talk about the rooms in her mind, the rooms of her mind. Yeah, that was very interesting. I mean, she could she could go into different rooms, and she could open up different rooms that belonged mm-hmm. to other people, too. I mean, she, was, she didn't wow. usually do that, but she was very, again, she had this ability to move in energy and to move energy. She could do both. And it's Again, unfortunately, you know, PK, you're right, that she wasn't all that interested in helping other people because I did I did know she had healing ability, but she didn't really like to use it. So uh, Was it good you know, for her? Yeah, she just didn't. And I, that always kind of, I just was like, well, why not? You know, if you have the ability to help somebody heal, why not help them heal? But she just wasn't interested in it. So I had to respect that. That's not something she mm-hmm. really wanted to pursue. Um. Yeah, so moving through energy and moving the energy. Talk about rooms of the mind going from one room to another. She could do that with ease. Uh-huh. With yeah. ease. And again, remarkable abilities. Just remarkable. And, you know, she uh, she did her best. God bless her. And I know it was a challenge for her and it was a challenge for the people that loved her too. Mm-hmm. I can imagine. Oh, that's why the marriages had to be very difficult to deal with for her yeah. partner. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure they saw things that they just couldn't understand or even fathom. And she could do oh. it, and they're just wondering, what the heck is this? Well, I yeah. think it was less that than the the human side of relationship issues that come up mm-hmm. in every relationship. It was more that um, than anything else. Because well, it's her, hard to be sensitive to other people's feelings when you have a tendency to be insensitive because of your own. Yes, and I think that was more the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, she was very for many many years. She was very kind to me. She always invited me, you know, for, for big Thanksgiving dinners, and and it was always like you know being a part of the family 
for a period of time, and it, I appreciated mm-hmm. that very much. I really did. And I, again, respected and appreciated her love of animals. She always had lots of cats, and, and she was, you know, so wonderful with them. And so there were just so many redeeming qualities, you know. <laughs> and well, then there was there were the difficult moments also. Well, she did be- did better with the animals because there there wasn't any need to do anything other than just care about them. Yes. yes. To each other, they shared in a way. She didn't have to com- explain anything or feel anything other than what she personally felt towards the animal. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah, and, you know, I can appreciate she still wants her story out there, and I would love to be the one to bring it out there, and that's why I... I I'm so glad you both agreed to interview me tonight to talk about this because it is an important story. Uh, Her life was important. It mattered in a much bigger way than I think most people can even realize to be able Mm -hmm. to do what she was able to do. It was astounding because, again, let's face it, with most psychics, you know, maybe there's an 80% accuracy rate, something like that, if they're really, really Mm -hmm. good. I mean, she was 100%. All the time. It went way Incredible. beyond psychic, way beyond that. This was not psychic. This was looking at energy and going, here's here's what it says. Yeah. Clear that vision. itself could be rather scary at times, too, to be able to see it, could, it in that yeah, in it depth. it could be, but I don't think it stopped not her. Not necessarily think, her, but for other yeah. people in the same Oh, area. yeah, for other people, oh. sure. <laughs> it's like being <laughs> there with your breathing you know, Naked, it's like nothing to hide. You can't hide it. Whatever you're trying to hide, you can't. So So how has she changed your life? life. I mean, how has she changed your life? Just by opening up your eyes to so many new things or? I think so. I think she just, she showed me that this is possible. You know, it's that you can go beyond Mm -hmm. psychic. You can, you can go into this. And I always wanted her to teach me more about how she did what she did. She never would. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, you talked about... But she didn't like to share. You know that. She what? I said she did not like to share. You know that. Yes. Well, she didn't, <laughs> especially when it oh. came to that. But I always wanted to learn more, so I learned by watching her. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> there, there are things that I did learn by watching. And, uh, again, you know, she is somebody that probably could have taught people something about her ability and they could have learned how to do something of what she did maybe not all of it but you know some of it because she just she right. knew, she she knew what she was teacher. doing by the you know by the time yeah. she had lived with it for so many years she knew what she was doing yeah but she wasn't a teacher she was a doer <laughs> that is true she was no That's, teacher <laughs> yeah. she was a doer she could do things in a way but only when it was convenient on her side. Yes. Yes. And, you know, she, she did deserve a lot of accolades for what she had accomplished. Oh, definitely. And, definitely. Yes. But, we're looking but again, at it was hard to rally, you know, the rest of the world to pay attention to what she was doing for a number of yeah. reasons. I think at that time it may not have been the right time, but she was, again, so unique and what she was able to do. Remember that movie with uh, John Travolta where he was he went outside of some bar and, and there was a flash in the sky and he 
passed out, and then when he woke up, he was able to. He knew everything about everything. Remember that movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, that when, he, when he'd wear the yeah. raincoat or a top coat. Yes. Okay, that's what I thought yes. it was. Uh-huh. And he could see uh, figures in his mind and uh, all kinds of uh, formulas or formulas that you could read them and know what they meant. And just everything. He just knew everything about everything. It was just kind of an amazing movie as far as that goes. And then eventually he died from it, I think. Didn't he die from mm-hmm. it? Yeah, yeah, something like I that. Think anyway, so. that's kind of interesting. This woman kind of reminds me a little bit of that, you know, that mm-hmm. uh, somebody she may was, have heard something about her. Did she have that. a child, Patricia? She has a child. Yes, she has a daughter and a granddaughter. Yes. Oh, okay. Are they at all uh, in tune with the spiritual side of things, either of them? I really can't answer for that. It's possible that her granddaughter is. I really don't know. Um, Her daughter also uh, was adopted. So this was not something that would have been passed on genetically. Passed on through birth. Okay. That's why I wondered if there was any connection there. Yeah, I don't think so. There may be. I don't know. I know she... She was close to her granddaughter, definitely. And but Mary Ann so, had some disability before the first abduction, right? I think mm-hmm. she had some healing ability, as that's why she had the healing story ability. about the rooster. I, I see. Think she everything did. amplified. Yeah, mm-hmm. something triggered everything after that abduction. You know, just sent her into another realm of herself, and you know that's why it's interesting you asked that question. Did she have any children? Um, yeah, and it, it just didn't take because she didn't have the same experience, you know? Maybe not. No, there's something missing. But the fact that she kept trying to progress her personal side with three marriages say that she very much wanted to be out and cared about, but there was something missing. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I think you you did describe that accurately in at the beginning of the show too, PK and and it's you know, I, I'm very interested, George, too, if you ever do pick up on anything around her relationship with these aliens because they treated her so very differently. They treated her almost right. like she was one of them. Them, exactly. That's what she says, that she was one of them. But that's, in a that's human form, you know, just I did too. Uh, with the uh, beginning when we were talking about her reactions and her relationship after the first encounter was so totally different from any other encounters we've talked about or people that have been involved. This was almost like coming home as opposed to being a part of something else. Does that make sense? Yes, and and, and so it was, that's one of the reasons it disturbed me so much when she kept blaming them for her, her blindness and also blaming them sure. for the next thing that happened with her inner vision. It just it just felt wrong to me. And again, who am I to say? I was on the outside looking in. But from mm-hmm. where she sat for a very long time, there was a lot of rage at them. But if you right. do look at her abduction experiences, in my opinion, you're seeing aliens treating her like she's part of the gang. Right. right. Well, it, the fact that she was angered on one side, which also makes you wonder how to set up a relationship with others. I mean, three marriages for a person that's very angry doesn't usually fall into line. So there's something else that was involved within that spectrum of things that 
to us looking in doesn't quite fit. So there had to be something else gifted to her to make that transpire. Yes, and and again, you know, if she's one of them, then I can see where human experience would be particularly (laughs) challenging. So, you know, you you would see that, you would understand that. And then being so young and then you know, abducted and scared her and she, the way she related to it and all of that, you know, that, that was kind of like her coming out party. Like they probably yeah. knew that's the time to bring her out, mm-hmm. you know. Makes sense, George. So, yeah, it does. That, that does make sense. Um, so now, Patricia, yeah. when are you going to start the book? I've already started it. And Good so girl. I'm, and I've also, like I mentioned, I was talking to a friend of mine in L.A. who wants to help push mm-hmm. this forward as some type of a movie, which I think would be great because, again, this is a human story as well as an alien story. It's both. And, again, the possibilities for humans are endless when you look at what happened with her. Right. Oh, definitely. And the way, and the way this story flows, it's so timely with what's going on. I mean, mm-hmm. her story could be talked about now easier now than it would have been 10 years ago or 15 years ago. I mean, now Good is point. the time to... Yeah, now's the time to really let it out. Watch, someone's yes. going to pick up, pick this up, and they're going to pay for it, and she's going to make it either a TV movie or a, or a regular movie. I, I like to see it go on the big screen, you know, with Me somebody too. that plays her part, you know, mm-hmm. really in a good way. Yeah. So she's ready. She's depending on you. She really does. <laughs> well, she's really good. saying, like, three is a charm. She really, she'll help you. She'll nudge you. You know, okay. So you just gotta doing that already. Otherwise, we would be doing this yeah. tonight. Right. Yes, I, I, so I agree. I think that that's yeah. that she's been behind this show even, and because uh, you know, I've talked about doing this for some time, and you were both right. kind enough to go along with it and become the oh, interviewers. Interesting yeah. to do this with you. After all, right. you're our favorite person. You know that. Oh, he's so kind. Um, Thank you. Well, we yeah, all make absolutely. a good team, and believe me, I know that uh, I knew that you'd ask the right questions to bring all the nuances of this story out, and there there is even more to it. We may at some point do another show on it, but it is <coughs> it is timely, yes, and yes, it's it also hopeful. Yes, it, it shows you know what can happen in the face of adversity and and strangeness, high strangeness, which this certainly was in her life. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Very much so. Hmm. And you know, it'd be interesting to see how she's affected other people's lives, you know, that are still around, what yes. they know of her, you know what I mean, and what how what they experienced with her. Mm-hmm. And that'd be interesting to find out. Yes. Would be close to her daughter. Very. Because I, I have a feeling that her daughter's got some pieces to this picture that hasn't been brought up yet. Don't ask me why. Have you are you in contact with her yet? I've been in daughter? contact with her daughter through the years, not so much uh in the in the past number of years. Her daughter is lovely and her granddaughter's lovely. But I do know her daughter wanted nothing to do with the UFO stuff. Nothing uh-huh. to do with it at all. None of it. So she just wanted, you know, her normal life, which is understandable. So Right. She, but she, she really may be didn't. able to give you some information. If she doesn't want to participate, that's her choice, of course. But she may have some additional information that she could pass on to you that may be of value in your putting the story together. Oh, yes. And there are people yeah. that uh, are still alive today. You're right. 
uh, PK, and there yeah. are people still alive today who Linda Moulton Howell knew her, and some of the other researchers in the paranormal field knew her also, and she did work on research projects with them. So it's you know it's there is a community of people that I'd, I'd probably talk to again about mm-hmm. Miss Marianne and her incredible life. But again, I, I have the utmost respect for her. I love her. I think she was just a, a gift in my life and a challenge at the same time, but that's okay. But isn't that what makes the best of everything? The yin <laughs> and the yang? <laughs> it yeah. You tear your hair out and swing on a rope the next and sit back and laugh the following. That's right. That's right. Well, you know, and it's true. We all do the best we can. And she had some really insurmountable challenges that I think people coming into this life, into physical reality, mm-hmm. tend to be very optimistic before they get here. But once they're here, <laughs> those challenges are very real. And it's tough sometimes. It's tougher than what anybody thought. And and that's the way I think about it. I think sometimes these challenges are just a little too much. <laughs> so anyway, right. look, they say you re- guys have been great. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for doing this show tonight. I appreciate it. It was fun. It was Absolutely. great doing it with you. Definitely. It good. was wonderful to let you talk about this. This is great. I learned a lot from about her. I could feel it. You know, I could just feel her. Oh, she. She's got That's Gabriel waving his little paw at you. See what? No. She, she's got Gabriel waving his little paw at you. Oh, God. So, his little Marianne, you better take good care of my baby. She will. <laughs> she will, for oh. sure. She'll have Stop smoking, smoking in around no time. Him. That's yeah. right. <laughs> We're going to steal yeah. your cigarettes, Marianne. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, well, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much, and thank you, everybody, for listening tonight. And we have another great show coming up next week, so be sure to tune in then. And until then, we'll see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Gabriel says good night. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural.